Someday there will be a British version of Three Idiots and a Lawyer, but it will be called Three Idiots and a Counselor. <laughs> Do we all have to wear wigs? <laughs> Only one. No, no, yeah. Three twats and a counselor. Um, it'll just be called Four, four Idiots and Powdered Wigs. <laughs> this seems appropriate for us to open with right after the 4th of July. And welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer. I'm Matt Pfeiffer along with Joe Shell, Kevin O'Keefe, and Brett Fortnum. And we finally have a live sporting event to preview, which is very exciting. Uh, since most Yay. of the beginning of the Yeah, I know. Right? Well, most of the beginning of this podcast, we've been talking about sports history, maybe when sports come back, this and that. We finally have something Syracuse related that is imminent. And that is the basketball tournament. Great summer tradition that has started here. Um, for all those who aren't aware, uh, it's a couple of teams. Well, it's actually quite a few teams come together. Uh, and it's playing for, is it two million now? It was originally a million. Is it two million now? It's a two million dollar yep. prize. Single elimination tournament, kind of modeled like the NCAA tournament. Bayheim's Army has been a consistent uh, contender in this thing. Hasn't won it yet. Uh, but they've got a, they're a three seed, uh, and tomorrow night, or actually by the time we drop this, it will be tonight, July seventh. Uh, they will play the men of Mackey, which is the Purdue alumni, in their first game of the uh, basketball tournament uh, version number twenty twenty. Uh, very exciting, guys. This is a really nice Syracuse team, but there are some injury issues for us to be concerned about. Yeah, we're really uh, missing some size now. Um, first word came out that Tyler Lydon uh, had a hip injury, which I was really excited to see Tyler Lydon play again. Um, and he was probably our best candidate to start at the five. And then um, we recently found out that Chris McCullough, who was also supposed to play, had a, f- a friend who was shot and killed, some horrible thing like that, and he opted not to play. You can't blame the guy, but our two players who, you know, we're going to be six ten, and maybe athletic enough to play the five are both out now. So that's, that's a big big hole to make up for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's at least talk about, let's just, as just so to give some context, here's what the team looks like. Um, as uh, anybody who's followed this a little bit knows that the GM, the guy who puts this team together every year is Kevin Belby, former manager, uh, at Syracuse um, for the basketball program was a broadcast major at Syracuse. I actually knew him uh, and and he's an attorney now in New York city. His brother, Sean uh, is an assistant coach. Ryan Blackwell is the head coach. All right. So here's who we've got um, considering um, those folks who are going to miss now who are on the team, Eric Devendorf, uh, John Gillen, Dante green, Demetrius Nichols, Will Raymond, who actually attended Colgate, uh, um, uh, Malachi Richardson, Brandon Trich, and Andrew White the third. So that's what the team looks like. Not a lot of depth all of a sudden, and that certainly you would think is going to be a concern here. Well, depth is so important. I think one of the important. coolest things is that we're going to get to see guys who we only saw for a year play 
at, at Syracuse, you know, like those grad transfers like John Gillen and Andrew White, we only saw for a year. And then uh, there are players like Dante Green, who we had for a year um, as well as, as a couple of others. Malachi. Uh, Malachi comes to mind with that big, you know, Final Four run. Uh, absolutely coming to everybody's mind. When I, when I think of Malachi, I think of the UVA game with the glasses and all that. Richardson three. Got the ball. Handcuffed and put up in. is gone now. I think of our buddy Chris Burnett being real sad. Yeah, it was probably I, I would give that probably 35 to 40 percent of my happiness for that day. Um, but the uh, yeah, regardless, all these guys who only played for a year. Uh, and then of course Brandon Trish, who we saw all four years. Um, and we're perfectly familiar with, but I'm definitely excited to see some, a little bit more of these guys, Demetrius Nichols, also another one of those guys who played for several years, uh, that, that I, I, I'm glad to see him again, because I think that he had a lot of untapped potential. He was on a team that was not, you know, that, that what was it? Oh, seven, oh eight team. I think that was his senior season. Um, yeah it was just kind of disappointing and he was just loaded with talent. You know, he was a very versatile player. He could shoot the three ball. He could go you know, to the rim and play good defense, but I never, he knew he was never around another as talented a group of guys as he would have wanted. And they never really did much uh, inside. And, and I think his senior season, they didn't even make, make it inside the tournament. Well, I, and Matt, I want to push back. I don't, I don't think depth is going to be too much of an issue in this tournament because they only play four nine-minute quarters. So, like, 36 minutes is nothing for these guys. They have eight guys. What Syracuse team has ever played more than eight guys before? Um, and um, I say nine or I, I say nine-minute quarters. The fourth quarter is a crapshoot on how long it actually lasts because they use the Elam ending. Um, yeah, but, but, but we but, only have one guy who can play the five. I mean, right, that's that's the issue, not depth. It's just a complete lack of size. Um, because going through it, like they got, they they had Will Raymond replace um, Lyden because they they needed some size. And I don't know if it's a mistake or not, but um, the TBT website lists Will Raymond as a small forward. Um, now he did lead the Patriot League in rebounding um, his uh, last year, so uh, there is there is a hope that he can get some boards and, you know, Syracuse teams of recent past have always, you know, struggled a bit with rebounding. Um, but when you look at who they're up against with Menemaki, I mean, Menemaki has this guy, Isaac Haas, and he's seven, three, which is big and basically a half foot taller than everyone else. And he plays, you know, he's not like, um, I remember watching this guy when we played Butler in the 2010 tournament, he was, I think, Seven four seven five or something. And he never saw the court. No, Isaac Haas um, plays, and he he played. Or I mean, they've only had one game, but he played most of the game for him. So it's it's worrisome that they're gonna they're gonna have that amount of size um, when we're trying to play small ball um, the entire game. Now, you know, the just the style of play here, anything could happen. So you know, for all for all we know we could come out and just run them out of the gym. 
but it's it's concerning that we're not going to have any size. I just wanted to throw out there that if Dante Green for some reason needs a breather, I'd love to see Ryan Blackwell go out there and <laughs> play a little five because I remember he was a pretty good forward. I mean, he's he's not a obviously not a uh, a five by any means, but he's at least got a little bit of size. And I remember seeing him play back in the late '90s, and uh, he was, you know, has more size to him than any of the, the the pip squeaks in comparison that we have on the roster. So I mean, I it, him lace up and play for a little bit. Personally, I'd, I'd take Ryan Blackwell over Dante Green. Dante Green's only year at Syracuse, he was he was a power forward who hated to ever get near the post. All he wanted to do was shoot um, the long ball. He would never. It, it drove me nuts because he never wanted to like get dirty in the um, down low, and it just it, it it drove me insane. Well, and and this men of Mackey game, the guy to actually be very worried about based off of his performance in their first game is not even a Purdue University grad. And for all those who are asking why we're talking about Purdue, men of Mackey is mostly a team of Purdue alums with a few other um, folks from other colleges thrown in. But one of those guys from another college is Justin Dentman, who attended the University of Washington. And he knocked down 33 points on 10 of 18 shooting, and he was 6 of 11 from the three in their first game, which was a comeback. Uh, They had a comeback victory uh, against Heartfire was the team that they beat. So, uh, you know, there's a guy that, you know, you're going to have to defend if you want to win. I think what we have going in our favor is that this team has shown that they're going to play the Bayheim zone and we're going up against teams that haven't really had a lot of time to prepare for that. Probably didn't see it much or at all in college. So hopefully we catch some teams off guard with our defense and the the guys have had enough time to, to put it back together because um, all these guys have, for the most part, been playing professionally elsewhere, obviously playing mostly man-to-man. So hopefully throwing the old zone back together gives them a little boost. But Dentman's definitely concerning. I was reading up on him a little bit. He's like a, a journeyman playing overseas. He's 34 years old, um, point guard out of Washington from back in the day. Yeah, he put up 32 points in that game, but he's known for – hitting three. So he's certainly the guy to be concerned about as far as busting the zone with, with a lot of threes. Um, and obviously like Brett said, Haas's size concerns you because we don't have anyone that is even close to matching up with a guy who's seven, three. And he put up a double, double in that game, 11 points, 10 rebounds. So, I mean, I think our best bet at least on offense is to put out a small lineup. That's going to shoot and going to score and hopefully pull Haas out of the low post on defense. But as far as defending Haas, I, I don't know. I don't know who you put on him to to match up with that size. You just got to hope there's an active zone. Well, the, the thing about the zone that worries me in this type of tournament is the reason the Syracuse University zone is so good is because Bayheim tends to it and is very, you know, it, it's a very active zone. But a lazy zone is the worst type of defense. Like the two, three zone is the default. All right. Um, you know, this high school team, you're not good enough at man, go play two, three zone. The reason Syracuse is, is successful is because the, the zone 
isn't that there's so much movement and I don't know that you, that's a switch you can just flip on and off. Um, so like, I, I honestly think like that's a defense that for it to perform well has to be actively coached and it, it, it has to be nurtured. You have to have people moving around, remembering all the rotations all the time. And if, if it's not something that they've been doing consistently for weeks or months, I don't know if it's, if a zone is going to really work as well. Now, when you have a seven, three center that you're defending against and your tallest guy is what, six, nine, then you might have to play a zone, but it, you know, I wouldn't expect, um, Bayheim's army to, you know, for their two, three zone to look like anything. We've seen, um, a team that's actually coached by Bayheim. I just, I, I don't think it's going to be in the same ballpark. They switch in and out of it, but I mean, it is their, their base and it, you know, obviously has its faults with the setup of the tournament, but usually it's fared relatively well. Does, this, does anybody know what level of practice these guys get on the front end? Like how much have they been practicing together over the last few weeks? Do Normally it's a lot more, but because of COVID, I think it's been reduced. I think it has been not extensive. I don't I don't know exactly what's happened in the aftermath of COVID, but I know they did restructure the whole tournament and I I don't know how much time they actually had together. I don't think it was a ton. I think they arrived and, in and, Columbus on Thursday. Um and like team activities officially started after that and you have to pass like everyone has to pass a, a COVID test first. Um I don't know if they had any type of team activities before they got to Columbus. Um, you know, I, Kevin and I were just watching um, the Marquette versus CP3 game, or it's not Marquette, it's Golden Eagles alumni or whatever. Uh, and they were talking, they were saying like Golden Eagles had a bunch of Zoom calls and stuff. I don't really know how a Zoom call helps on, on the, on, you know, in terms of preparing for a basketball game. Yeah, you can exchange some info and scouting and stuff, but I mean, for to, to understand how guys play basketball, you really need to be out on the court. So it, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous. We we've underperformed yeah. in this tournament almost every year we've been in it. So it it's uh it it's worrisome because I I I, I just think that the the short turnaround and our first opponent um are are tough obstacles. I will say that I don't typically watch this tournament religiously. I don't follow games all the way through. And I didn't even realize that there was a rule that when you get to whatever it is, Brett, four minutes or whatever, then they they cut off the time limits and they make it so that who first to 75 or – or whatever the score might be. Whatever the score they say. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's the um, leading team score plus eight. I think yeah. this is only the second or third year that the tournament has that format, but it's awesome. I don't know how much I would want it to apply to other more mainstream forms of basketball, but for this tournament, it's awesome. It's well, a I lot just of think fun. about all the years of anguish that we had playing pickup. And if we had had a rule like that, that would have made things a lot simpler, uh, especially if we were going to be in a format like this where fouling is allowed Simpler. Um, I mean, we just played to 11 or 21, depending on how out of shape we were. Well, I mean, if we were Straight playing... Straight up, win by two. No, no. We, but we played some legitimate five-on-five full-court stuff with, like, 
legitimate rules. And you know, I'm thinking like the alumni game. Well, the alumni um, game is the only one that we have. Everything else is just straight up to 21. Yeah, know, winner holds. Yeah, or yeah, but I'm, I'm just I just thought about the alumni game, and I thought that that would have been a lot simpler if we just made it so that when the time hit a certain point, then it's first to whatever plus eight. It's it's uh, great to to see a game end without just a bog down of foul after foul. Like it, it's good basketball to the very end. Yeah, and I think what they modeled that after didn't the NBA All Star Game do that the one year? And well, that's the, where they the, got the ending, ending was from. developed by um a, a professor um and i think isn't elon like a club for people way smarter than the rest of us um i think it was his name elon elon was the last name of the guy who created it okay um well i mean like this this idea wasn't like he this idea had been chopped um for quite some time sorry i just looked up elam club don't do that um i i why not brett Brett, you're on my why not you're on my wi-fi well the first thing that showed up was from the (laughs) university of chicago and that's the elam club home for working girls 1921 to 1945 um so i don't know what that is um i'm hoping it's not what that term is currently used for but anyway, like the, the, the guy who developed this type of ending had been chopping this around for a long time. Um, and like he, he is a member of a society of like incredibly smart people. Um, and obviously I'm not the League qualified. of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I believe it's called. Yes, 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 that's it. Um, and um, finally, I, I think Nate Silver at 538 had been um, shopping this around too, like, hey, we need to fix the NBA's foul problem. So it, eventually, you know, someone caught on, like, all right, yeah, we'll do this. Um, but like, it wasn't the NBA's idea. They might have tried it in the All Star game, but um, this is this is an idea that's been around for a long time. Hmm. Well, it certainly is going to be interesting, and this is a, this is a fun tournament. It's a it's a fun summer thing while we wait for football camps to open and things to kind of, you know, right when you're, this is the time of summer where you kind of hit this odd spot where, you know, the, you know, baseball's kind of in the middle of the season usually. And you're like, well, it's, it was still, the playoffs were still just a little too far away. You were just hitting the all-star break. And this was just like the perfect time to have kind of this, fun side sporting event that ultimately means nothing matt matt Uh, always like to have a period of introspection right around now because this is when the mets were tanking and he was looking for some other sporting entertainment to to look towards (laughs) that is you got it i mean this is this is the point of the year where the mets would just remind me why this was a poor life choice uh and 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 Look, that day is going to come mid to late August this year. That's how this is going to go. I know when it's going to be. If it comes. If it comes, right. I mean, we could get into that if you want to. I don't have no fear. I saw some schedules released today. What was that? I saw some schedules were were released today. I think all of them were. Yeah, don't get your hopes up. Yeah. Don't get your hopes up. Well, thanks. Thanks. 
Yeah, well, thanks for helping us really push the uh, baseball preview episode in a couple of weeks, Brett. The baseball great. preview episode. Now, now, go home. Freddie Freeman is very, very, very sick right now. All right. Well, <laughs> we we wish him um, uh, a recovery and to get us uh, to get uh, us back on track. May I offer yeah. some some positive notes on the Bay yeah. Army team? Yes. Let's uh, do that. We kind of we kind of started boo, boo, Brett. No, that's boo. not a good right, joke. We're gonna mute Brett for thirty seconds. Matt, is there a way to do that? I can, but we I'm can afraid do... that if I use mute, he's gonna mute me back. So. We can do it. We can do it after. We can edit him out for thirty seconds. That's right. So <laughs> we kind of started off with all the negatives because honestly, there's a lot to be concerned about with this matchup we have on Tuesday night. Um, but I really like the offense that this, this roster is going to have. We have a lot of guys who can score, a lot of guys who can score in different ways, and we have good shooting without putting out a lineup that's going to become reliant on shooting. So I think the best thing we can do is put a smaller lineup out there that's going to score at every position. And I think someone who doesn't jump out to you on this roster but has to be in that lineup is Andrew White. The guy can shoot. He has um, our single-season record for three-pointers in school history. Um, And then even playing professionally, I know this past year he was in the G League for the Knicks, and he was lighting it up shooting for the Knicks uh, in Westchester. Um, So, so, But in this small lineup, I think Andrew White ends up being the four, so whatever that means defensively, which is probably bad – I don't know, but what I kind of put together is you have to throw Devo out there at least to start. You're going to see a lot of Gillen um, because Devo's, you know, getting up there in age and he's going to need need a breather every now and then. But you got to start with Devo. He balls out every year in this tournament. Um, and then I think you go with Brandon Trish at the two. Trish plays really well every year in this as well. Brandon Trish actually has put together a really good career overseas. Um, he's really developed his game. He can shoot a lot better now from behind the arc. And he's he's really a surprising athlete, more so than I remember. Um, so here's where it gets interesting. I, I would slip Malachi in at the three to keep, okay. you know, he has enough size to play it, but he's athletic. He can score. Andrew White at the four. Dude's a light out, lights out shooter like I already touched on. And then I'm at a loss for the five. I, I had put down Dante Green for, for his offense. I don't know if, if any of you guys think Nichols is the better option to start at the five, but I went with the younger, higher-end talent guy in Green. No, you, you go you go with Dante Green at the five because he's played that position before. I can't remember a single game where Demetrius Nichols was playing as a post player. Uh, he's a he's a four that can slide in at three and can shoot a three ball, no problem. Uh, really versatile guy, not a five. See, I think you you actually put um, the Colgate kid Will Raymond in at five just because you you're going to need someone to grab those those boards. Um, you know, I I think I've already voiced my opinion on Dante Green before. I don't know what he's done after he washed out of the NBA. Um, but I mean, I, I think if, if you have Raymond in at the five, I, I agree with everything you've said about Andrew White, Joe. Um, you know, I think it's going to be 
tougher for him to fall into kind of the Chuck mentality that he occasionally would develop um, when he played for, for Syracuse in, in this type of tournament. So I think, that, I think that will work in his favor. So you have him at the fourth. I was surprised um, about what you're saying about Trish. I mean, Trish has always been a steady player, but I always thought of him as a, a straight point guard, but even on the site here, it lists him as shooting guard. So, you know, Hopefully, you know, he, I just expect him to be on the floor um, along with Malachi, Gillen, and I guess, you know, I, I agree that you, you have to have Devo in there rotating in and out, um, out yeah. but, and just kind of see who has the hot hand there. Um, you know, I, Demetrius Nichols is a favorite player of, of mine, um, but I don't know, you know, he hasn't played with any of these guys before, and he's the elder statesman of the group really. So I don't know how much he'll be playing. You know, I hope we get to see him some, but, um, and then Dante Green, yeah, you're going to have to get some size in there and Will Raymond's not enough. So you're going to have yeah. those guys cycling through in the post. I like, I like Raymond on paper. I don't know a lot about the kid. I just didn't see a guy who joined the team two days ago starting in the first game. Um, he can shoot too, though, which is what I really like. He's a 40% uh, three. I think his senior year he shot forty percent from three. So I don't think he's bulky enough to play at the five. But if they end up putting him at the, in there and he can rebound and shoot, I'm I'm all for it. Whatever whatever works. Can, can we just put like two minutes on the clock or whatever and have each of us say who we'd want to see playing in this game that's not playing in this game currently? Um, I know going first, I would say Arenze Anawaku is obviously because of our, our lack of depth at five. You'd want to see someone else who's a, who's a you know able to play five almost, I would say, better than most of the fives that have come through the university. And then I would like to see Jerry out there. I mean, I know that would probably be Brett's number one, but yeah, those, those two guys for sure step out. Uh, I would just like to point out that um, Kevin didn't put Carmelo on his list here. Um, I'd love to see Carmelo out there. But Carmelo's got games to play. He's like theoretically going to be in the NBA. You can't be on an active NBA roster and be in the tournament. I I yeah. just think so, that yeah. Kevin will never put it, Carmelo so. on the list. Brett and I just don't understand why. I just I, I don't get it. The rest of Brett Wasn't Hakeem qualified. Warwick on this team a couple of years ago? Yes, we could use him drastically, too. Hakeem Warwick would be a very good... Like, he's a good, like, elder statesman player At to have. At this point, I want to know what Jeremy yeah. McNeil is doing. Like, see if we can get anyone who can play center. Paging I, Ethan I, Thomas. I, I agree... I agree with Kevin that Arenze Anawaku, I think, considering the size factor, would have been great to have on this roster. Uh, I think it, you know, and, and having a guy like Hakeem Warwick would have been really nice. And I'll take I Ronnie mean, you take, Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I there's just I, you need a, you know, I would have liked to see like another. Or, man. What's Craig Forth up to these days? I'm pretty sure he's an elementary school principal somewhere. Can we give him a call real quick and just be like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Yeah, I think Arinze is probably the right answer as far as team needs. Arinze's been on this team a few times, I believe. I think he played last year. Um, but I don't think he's playing anymore. I think I don't think he's played overseas or anything. I think he he kind of hung him up. Um, yeah. So for, for me, I kind of more went with – someone who's still actively playing professional basketball 
and not necessarily team needs, just who I would like to see play in this tournament. Uh, and for me, that's CJ Fair. I think CJ yeah. would tear it up in a, a tournament like this. Um, yeah. um, but another guy who I would love to see who I don't think has played professional basketball in some time is Johnny Flynn. If he were ever healthy again, it'd be awesome to see him play again. But I think his hip injury in the NBA, and I think his second year was just too much. I don't think he's played much since then. Fun player, athletic player, um, dynamic. Uh, that's exactly what a tournament like this is all about. So, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Um, let's just also just openly say, I mean, what do we think this team's going to do? Like, what do we, you know, just uh, to, to give everybody the idea, they'll play the seventh. Then if they win that, the quarterfinals are July 10th, 11th. If they win that, there are a pair of semifinals on july 12th and then tuesday july 14th is the title game um with this one million winner take all what do we think Bayheim's army does here so i i'm not i'm not super scared of them losing this first game obviously there's some concerns and it's possible but men of Mackey actually played really really badly most of the game and then had an awesome comeback in the elam ending Devin with the pump Instead, it's Detman who drives. They've scored two points since. Detman for the win. It would have been fitting. Haas instead. Ball game. So I think at least for this game, we're going to score enough to move on. After that, though, I mean, I don't think they make a deep run. I don't think this is the most talented roster they've been able to put together for this. So I think they win a couple. I think we have fun watching it. And I don't, I don't think they're a contender to win it all this time around. I think we I think the they... whole damn thing. I think we are going to blow it out of the water because we just need that in 2020. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, I again, I don't have the highest of expectations for this group. Um, so it's it's you guys tough. Are a bunch of, you guys are a bunch of hosers. Thanks. Uh, I, I would say <laughs> that was they win for. the first one. I, I'd say they win the first one. We'll see what happens in the quarters. I, I Maybe they get to the semis. I don't necessarily see them in the championship game. I'll say either the quarters or the semis. Maybe they might just get one win here. But, you know, hey, let's take, let's take any sort of victory at this point of 2020. There is a chance we run into Hashim to beat down the line. He's okay. playing on the Jimmy V team. Uh, about... No, didn't they get knocked out? Didn't they have Did the they COVID lose... test? Oh, really? Didn't they? One of the teams had to be replaced because Several. of positive COVID. It, 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 it happened, to a, a, it happened to a few, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know if we actually would run into him. Because I don't see... Uh, uh, what what team is it? The Jimmy V team. Did they get taken Not out of the there. bracket? Oh. There's a side... Or that sideline cancer. Is that the team? No, it was Jimmy V. They were called nope, Jimmy V. Not there. Dang. Nope, they're not in the bracket. All right, true. Well, that's one more. Not the way you want to avoid playing them, but that's one more scary large center in the bracket that we don't have to worry about playing. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. It. This is going to be fun. I'm glad that they do this every year. 
Uh, and let's hope that next week we're talking about whether Syracuse can win the championship game in this. Who knows? Who knows? We have, it's 2020. Anything can happen. Uh, well, but you I, know I what? Notice that the Dayton team is still in there. Oh. And I think that's the case. And I just really want to see them go down because I think a lot of those guys are the 2014 team that beat us in Buffalo. And I just want to see them get their comeuppance. Um, I just, I, I also want to add, I just quickly looked this up. Joe Johnson is playing in this league or in this tournament, which is insane because he's a, an accomplished NBA all-star. Um, and uh, sorry, seven time NBA all-star and he's on overseas elite, which is just dominant in this oh, tourney. Yeah. Um, as far as we can tell, is he the most accomplished NBA yes. player that we've seen in this tournament? I, I don't, I can't name any other NBA all-star that's been in this tournament. Yeah. And the overseas elite team is always one of the better teams in this. And ESPN listed a uh, Devo is the fifth best player in the tournament. Yeah, he like I said, he tears it up every year. Oh, geez, Jarrett Jack is yeah. on overseas elite too. Crap. Yeah, should be interesting. And 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 the men, the the Ohio State alumni team is the one that is uh, the one seed. So oh, Aaron Craft. That, <sighs> yeah, that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean that that it is what it is. That team's going to be very tough for whoever runs into them. So, uh, who knows? Uh, the only way Syracuse runs into that team is in the championship game because they're on the other side of the bracket. So, you know, <laughs> we'll we'll see. Hopefully, we can talk about them next week because we're facing them or whatever it might be. Uh, well, it's exciting to talk about Syracuse sports again. We'll see if there's more Syracuse sports to talk about soon. It's time for our recurring segment, What Made Brett Mad This Week. I can feel your anger. I was mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. All right, so. I did not look up whatever the Sabres did this past week, so I'm probably not going to win this. Uh, but I will let Kevin take the lead on this one. What made Brett mad this week? I think that Brett was mad about the Cleveland Indians baseball uh, schedule that was released today, and it doesn't include any weekday day games um and it's only prime time you know theoretically night games uh, and i think brett is mad that that is so out of the normal for baseball and it's clearly just a money grab that uh it shouldn't be allowed and that we should still have you know three and four o'clock games on a tuesday afternoon because that's how baseball typically does it but Judging by his face, that's not it. So uh, I'll, I'll take the loss here, and I'll pass it on to Joe. Yeah, I think if baseball is played, Brett will just be happy that baseball is being played, and it won't matter what time the game is happening. I'm not so sure about um, that. I, I, I mean, I, at this point, but I think Brett is mad that Major League Baseball thus far has botched their health and safety protocols and their COVID testing, 
and all they're doing is making it more likely that more good players are going to opt out and that the season might not even happen at all. Well, that that took uh, that took away something that I was looking at. Uh, oh, Jesus. I think Brett is mad that the Sabres Suck. are still... Yeah, I think Brett's just mad that the Sabres so, exist. So the worst thing that happened in Sabres land this past week is Kim Pagula wrote the um, uh, Monday morning quarterback column that Peter King normally does. Um, I won't give that the time to read it because Kim Pagula is never worth listening to. Um, so... I can't say that actively made me mad because I was a little bit ambivalent to it. In terms of baseball, I I don't know that mad is the right word to discuss my reaction to the botched COVID um, health protocols. I'm 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 worried for the sport. I'm worried for the players. Um, Mike Trout's comments, you know, he's hoping to be. Um, of a father in August for the first time. And he's talked at great length about um, his concern in going back. And he's, he hasn't opted out, but he's disgusted. And, you know, Freddie Freeman is very sick from this disease. You know, we hear a lot about the professional athletes being asymptomatic. Freddie Freeman is symptomatic and that's worrisome. And I guess I, I, I'm scared that we are moving forward with sports before it's safe and that someone is going to die from COVID because they want to give us sports. And I don't, so like at, at this point I'm, I'm, I'm torn with, with baseball. Like I, I love baseball. I want to see baseball, but I don't want people playing baseball um, to put their lives at risk. So yeah. um, the thing that actually did actively make me upset um, and and rather agitated as uh, as I am inclined to get was I, I rewatched Little Big Big League um, a few days ago, you know and, and you know little you know it, it, it's an okay movie it's not the best movie um, you know it's amusing when you watch it. it's a 1994 film clearly um, with the consent of Major League Baseball because they get some stars in it Ken Griffey Jr. most notably um, but. At the, the the climax of the film, it's it's about this kid who's managing the Minnesota Twins in a pennant race, um, and they're having the first wild. They're they're all trying to get. It's the Mariners and Twins trying to get the wild card game. They're having a one game playoff, and this big moment, you have um, Randy Johnson coming in from the bullpen to pitch to this guy named Lou Collins um, on the Twins. Now Lou Collins is a left-handed hitter. And Randy Johnson, as we all know, is like the best, one of the best left-handed pitchers ever to play the game. And they have this whole back and forth because Lou Collins had been dating the manager's mother. Now, that's absurd for obvious reasons. If you're dating a 12-year-old mother, or a 12-year-old's mother, hmm, something's up. And by the way, the guy who played Lou Collins also played um, Danny Kincannon in the West Wing, and if anyone remembers, Danny Kincannon was sleeping with um, CJ, who I forget if at that time she was either the chief of staff or the press secretary. But it just seems that whatever character this guy plays ends up in the wrong person's pants. So that's an issue. Um, and the, it, the, the same actor is also in Field of Dreams. He was the uh, the, the brother-in-law who 
was right beside All the right, bed. well, but, thanks everybody for this great description. No, no, the, the thing that actually that seemed no, to have nothing to do. He was going to get Kevin Bacon at some point. This was Brett Six Degrees of Random Actor in some movie. Took, <laughs> Kevin took Bacon. Randy Johnson fastball. It was supposed to be like Ken Griffey Jr. robbed the home run, but. Um, you, you off the bat, you see it's obviously well a left-handed batter, and he like fights it off and hits it the opposite way, and it ends up hitting it just dead center. And like, no, that's not movie magic. You cannot have a left-handed batter take Randy Johnson, left-handed pitcher, deep that way. And it was just like so, just infuriated me so much that Brett. You know what this tells me is you're actually not angry about anything. You just want to rant about a movie you saw. No, I was okay. I I, I, where, I yelled where, at Susan about this. You no. you you not take. Randy Johnson deep yeah, in that fashion. I'm sure and you did. All, all, like all, all freaking Danny Cannon did at bat was like tip the damn thing off. Like there's obviously in like Matt. Can ball. we get some Oscars music that just like to play him off the stage? <laughs> And that's why the movie about the 12-year-old managing a Major League Baseball team was not believable. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was the longest end of an explanation, and it took you forever to get to the freaking point. You're there just were like, a lot hey, of things and to be mad about. Guy's in it. And, uh, and then there was this guy, in it. and hey, that guy who was Danny Kincannon from the West Wing, you West Wing watcher. Well, I'm just, right. there, there, there's obviously a, a pattern of this guy sleeping with the wrong no, people. No, you don't get to go back into this. You had a half hour <laughs> to pretty much describe this movie, right? We we should have just had a warning, like spoiler alert. Randy Johnson comes out of the bullpen. <laughs> oh, trust me. Like the fact that MLB showed that movie, I was I was kind of shocked. So okay, all right, that's that's enough. All right, well, that is the most useless. T- uh, what made Brett mad this week? Oh yeah, because people had. listening about my my trials and tribulations with the Buffalo Sabers is so much more educational, Matt. Well, it's yeah, well, shorter. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. It's because I saw so crying anyway, earlier. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, so if you're still interested in listening to us after that, you should follow. <laughs> oh, we just dropped from twelve to eleven listeners, guys. I'm you sorry. You should. You should. Right. And the one that dropped is probably Susan. Uh, it's probably Danny so Cannon because got... I found out that he's just a serial. Uh, uh, Sleeping with the wrong person, or the mute button. Jesus Christ! Uh, so we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go now. Uh, but just before you leave, you should like us on Facebook. Uh, you should follow us on Twitter at Three IL Pod. If you have the 1990 NCAA Lacrosse <laughs> Trophy, you should tweet at us and let us know that you've got it. You don't have to tell us where it is. Just got to tell us it's in a safe place. Uh, if it was in Dayton Cannon's pants, everyone would know make, about it. And if you follow us uh, and like us, you should subscribe as well on all the various podcast uh, places, all the places where you can listen to your podcast. So for Matt Pfeiffer and Brett Fortnum and Joe Shell and Kevin O'Keefe, thank you for listening. We will see you next time.